Hi, it's Elise Lunan, host of Pulling the Thread. I'm thrilled to welcome today's guest, psychologist John Churchill, whose heady work is focused on blending Eastern and Western psychology. Vet bills can be expensive, but Spot Pet Insurance can give you up to 90% cash back on vet bills, so you can worry less about high vet bills. Yep, up to 90% cash back on vet bills for unexpected accidents, illness, and even routine care. And with Spot Pet Insurance plans, you can go to any vet you want in the U.S. or Canada. There's no network you need to stick to, so visit your favorite vet and you can save money on expensive vet bills. That's Spot Pet Insurance. It's no wonder Spot is America's favorite pet insurance. Visit SpotPet.com for a free quote today. For all terms, visit SpotPetIns.com slash sample-policy. Spot Pet Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produce Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. This is an independent ad from Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Hi, it's Elise Lunan, host of Pulling the Thread. On this show, we pull apart the web in which we all live to understand who we are and why we're here. Pulling the Thread is about big questions, why we do what we do, how we can understand our own experiences within a larger spiritual and historical context, the ways in which we might begin to understand ourselves and each other better, and what's required to heal ourselves and our world. I'll be joined in conversation by luminaries and wise elders, those who have laid tracks in their work and lives to help us bring meaning and understanding to a world that often feels chaotic and overwhelming. My hope is that these conversations spark moments of resonance and plant tiny seeds of awareness so that we might all collectively learn and grow. There's a deep need for for all of us to grow up, right? We like. You know, like we are now being handed tools of the gods, right? And so we have to grow up and we have to mature. And so those levels of deep heroic altruism that in the past maybe we reserved for the kind of the great saints and sages of the past, this will have to be democratized. It'll have to become something that, that is at, that accessed to everybody. And so to do that, we're talking about a trait development, which is, which means it has to become permanent, right? And so altered states is one thing, but an altered trait is a whole nother, it's a whole nother process. And in order to have altered, an altered trait developmentally, in order to, to really grow and then stay there, which is what you and I did, like you and I, we grew when we were five years old and we grew to 10 and then we grew to like 12 and 18 we went through completely different worlds but the truth is is most adults they they we, we plateau and most people haven't probably grown through any other worlds for a decade two decades three or four decades so says psychologist john churchill co-director of karuna mandala and co-founder of samadhi integral which is focused on consciousness, human potential, and psychedelic integration. John does both initiatives with his wife, fellow therapist, Nicole. In his early life, John became a Buddhist monk at Samya Ling Monastery in Scotland. His book, Becoming Buddha, explores paradigm shifts of the Dharmic wheel and serves as a gateway to integrating Buddhist theory and teachings into Western psychology. 
In today's conversation, we talk about the dire need for our culture to evolve and grow up, the level of consciousness at which we're creating technological advances like artificial intelligence, and the journey to self-realization. With vast expertise and experience, John invites us to explore our individual development and existence within the larger organism of our universe. This is a heady episode, as John has a fascinating brain. Fair warning that you might need to listen more than once. And I highly recommend reading Ken Wilber if the topics we discuss stoke your mind. I'd start with a brief history of everything. John has studied and worked with Ken for decades. Okay, let's get to our conversation. I have listened to many of your conversations, some of which I can follow and some of which are beyond me. So I'm hoping I can not, they're not really beyond me. I'm kind of teasing, but I'm also not. I love Ken Wilbur. I can go, go to most of those places with you, but will you talk a little bit about what you're about essentially and sort of the different worlds that you're weaving together? into a new kind of tapestry? Well, you know, it's clearly that we're facing this kind of fourth industrial revolution in terms of outer technologies, right? The kind of AI and computing power and bio revolution and what's going to happen when those collide. And, And frankly, that will be a disaster if we don't have a comparative, what we would call in the kind of contemplative tradition, like a fourth turning of the Dharma. So mm. in our culture, the interior, the interior technologies probably start, you know, since Christianity kind of took political force, the interiors were really suppressed in favor of exoteric religion and also kind of exoteric science. Uh, and so we're at a point where that imbalance, it can't, it can't continue. Yeah. So we have to that we have to meet the full power of these outer technologies and 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 the world they're going to create with the full power of the world's interior psychotechnologies and interior understanding and development and 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 on the interior side that involves an integration of of understanding how all the contemplative traditions how they all synthesize into a contemplative psychology. And then also an understanding how, how all psychology is synthesized and how those two are then integrated so that we have for the first time a planetary developmental system that really integrates and understands the depth of what it means to be human in our most in our most human way, by depth here, I don't mean like something spiritual. I mean something like deeply human and relational and intimate mm. and how that integrates into what we might call the most spiritual and and and, and elevated. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so, so, you know, really that involves understanding from a psychological interior perspective, why we got to the situation that we've got in right now and, and the kind of the effect of multi-generational trauma on 
our whole psychological makeup, right? And, and the thing about the technological revolution that we're facing right now, it will speed up every, whatever way we're going, it's going to speed that up exponentially. So if we don't have a deep understanding of how humans unfold and flower and where we've got stuck, we will activate the opposite system, which then flip goes into the in the direction of disintegration, separation, mm -hmm. isolation, and, and deeper levels of trauma. It reminds me, I work with this woman, Carissa, and she talks about how we have made so much progress without evolution. And it also reminds me of that great E.O. Wilson quote, the real problem of humanity is the following. We have paleolithic emotions, medieval institutions, and godlike technology. And, you know, we've created, we've created many things that we don't have the capacity to manage. And <laughs> those horses are out of the stable, right? And it's interesting because I know you've worked with Ken Wilbur and I am... I love paradigms, and so I love a paradigm of a paradigm, and the way that I haven't read him fully or studied with him the way that you have, but the way that he has organized this, I think, might be sort of the click that people need to understand how these things are co-creative and co-existent, but that they all have to match, right? I mean, we, as you said, this the exoteric science this, he talks about it, right, as me, we, it, it's, and how the objective qualities are, have been our almost our exclusive focus, while sort of studying the brain, but not understanding the mind, or that the two are coexistent, right? Well, I mean, really, what we're talking about is the good, the true, and the beautiful. Mm. And that the understanding of what causes truth and what is truth and the value and the injunctions around investigating truth are also a sacred they are sacred and so science which is the exploration of truth has a is sacred in that it is concerned about truth however if you remove what is good which is the interpersonal and what is beautiful which is this pure subjective then what happens is the shadow, then shadow controls science. And that's what's happened. It isn't so much even that it's science. It's also that our science has been directed. Our investigation has been directed into a particular way of looking at reality for a few hundred years. And so, so for instance, the, the kind of vitalistic perspectives and the non-dual perspectives that would have been part of science, scientific investigation hundreds of years ago were slowly removed because the good and the beautiful weren't seen to be as important as what was true. Mm. Even this idea of truth and the the hunt for the truth or something that's objectively, factually valid, as science evolves, that also becomes increasingly evasive, right? Isn't truth somehow also, I mean, I know that that's, there are many things that are true, but as we get into sort of quantum physics, and things start moving and shifting that I feel like it's we're being led to a point of understanding the limit of that, of trying to nail everything down as well. I don't know if that's true. Okay. I, 
I think that part of part of that has to do with the limitations of the level of development of scientists. And what I mean by that, and that's where the interior is so important. There's been a lot of research, well, not, actually not a lot of research, but a fair amount of research in kind of human development over the last 50 years, very little of which has made its way into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And mainly because the mainstream is is governed by a particular level of development that brackets out anything above it because typically we don't like to hear of anything that's above us, right? So culture will always bracket, just like, for instance, pre-Renaissance, Dark Ages, there was a bracketing of like not, not allowing science, not allowing Copernicus or Galileo into the medieval consciousness. We're at a similar situation where actually scientism is a religion and the more developed perspectives that would be into that could be integrated into science though they aren't even part of the discourse because they're not seen and, under, and even understood and so in that next evolution of science that transcend and include idea then the way that physics newtonian physics and quantum physics sort of break would be included and would make sense within a larger context yeah exactly meaning most of, I mean, just kind of mathematically, most of science arises from third-person perspective. That's kind of Newtonian physics. Kind of relativistic theory is kind of fourth-person perspective. But human consciousness can go fifth-person perspective, sixth-person, seventh-person. But but in order to do that, you actually have to engage in, pract- in contemplative transformative practices that transform how you experience yourself as a human being. And of course, when the scientist transforms themselves and then is able to, then how they think changes as well. Mm. And we get a whole new, not just not just kind of systemic thinking, we get paradigmatic thinking or even meta-paradigmatic thinking. So there is a relationship between the complexity of cognition and the the level of development of that mind and not just, and frankly, actually it's not just the mind. It's actually the heart mind. I mean, this is where the reason why our our culture kind of stopped really was when, uh, where we're stuck is, is because of the split between the heart and the mind and the split between what's true and what's good and beautiful. At a certain point, you can't go any further Mm. unless you have a radical reintegration of what it was that was left behind, right? So like, yeah. yeah. Is there an easy example of something outside the bracket that's sort of circling around us but hasn't yet been integrated? If you look at how how humans evolve, and this is a very simple first person, second person, third person model, like first person is just, just me, <laughs> just, you know, and second person is you and me and, we call that concrete operational. Are you in or you're out? Are you mm-hmm. part of my clan or you're not part of my clan? And and that kind of zero ones, which is basically like in and out kind of computation. And then third person is objective where you and I can agree about something that's over there, right? We call that third person because it's, we're looking, both you and I are looking at a third thing and agreeing upon its objective qualities. And fourth person is about appreciating the context that that arises in. So that's got to do with pluralistic, relativistic 
cognition of recognizing context, which is so, you know, which is super important because that al allows us to reintegrate prior perspectives that have been left out it's just in terms of history, you know, the perspective of, of you know, of, of women, of the planet, of minorities, that kind of fourth person perspective is super aware of, of what's being left out of the conversation. Mm -hmm. However, what fourth person perspective doesn't have is it doesn't have a holarchical cognition. I, it doesn't necessarily understand that uh, nature arises holarchically, hierarchically, like, like, like we things evolve. And fifth person perspective really understands the depth of development. And so at fifth person perspective, that's where you have the ability to, let's say, integrate the understanding of the shadow and psychology with the understanding of sociology and the understanding of technology, the ability to integrate multiple fields mm -hmm. and to understand that, that there are levels of value. Like, a, like, you know, the human being we have, we're organized. We, we go through a developmental process as we unfold, mm -hmm. right? We see if you've had children, you see the infant evolve. But well, understanding those stages is very important in understanding how we heal and how we unfold, and also beginning to intuit that there might be stages even above where we're at. Right. For instance, at fifth person perspective, you begin to appreciate how important psychology is as a part of politics. Mm. Like the, the, the lack of integration and understanding of people's psychology right? Like, you know, when you have sociopaths and psychopaths in positions of power and the inability to, uh, to like, so the lack of integration of the fields, that, you know, that's the, the, the capacity to integrate those and to develop new ways of, of thinking. And, and, and that comes in a fifth person perspective, but this is all very cognitive. Like that's not the heart yeah. of, of, yeah. what you do but what are most of us sort of reaching towards fifth person or capable of fifth or it just depends i mean developmentally i would say i think it's about 20 percent of the population are at fourth person perspective the majority the mainstream the kind of is held at around three per third person perspective and about one percent functions at fifth person but the problem is the mainstream is kind of controlled by, well, at this point, that kind of woke psychology, that's fourth person. Mm -hmm. And if if that doesn't allow for transition to the to the next level, it, it itself will become a religion. It'll become concretized. And then what that does is it stops any further. That's the that's the danger. It will stop any further development beyond itself because yeah. th that's what we do. Right. We kind of we build a little castle and we protect our positions. I know everyone says that your 20s are supposed to be the best years of your life, but that wasn't the case for me. I kind of hated my 20s or found that decade really hard. Sensing that I was in the dumps and needed a timeout, my late brother-in-law and best friend Peter took me to France one year. Officially, we were going to see and stay with his aunt, but really I think he wanted to cheer me up. We went to the flea markets in the countryside on the weekends where I found a set of very old religious medals. I decided to invest these medals with the belief that everything in my life could shift. 
and over the following months, things started to move. I kept these medals close and then figured out how to frame them myself. I did this badly, but well enough that they could stay with me ever since. When Peter passed away in 2017, these medals became even more precious to me, earning pride of place next to my desk. They're a talisman of luck, yes, and also of Peter. But my poor framing job from 2002 started to fail recently, and so I decided to entrust my medals to Framebridge to have them framed right. I've been having Framebridge frame all my family photos for years. You can upload digital prints, and they do a beautiful and speedy job, making them the perfect place for holiday gifts, as my mother-in-law and parents treasure photos of my kids, or at least I convince myself they do, and they confirm this for me. But Framebridge also takes on objects that are typically expensive and difficult to frame, whether it's menus, tickets, original artwork, personal milestones, hotel keys, keys to your first home, or in my case, medals. You can easily order online at framebridge.com or visit one of their 20-plus Framebridge retail stores. They provide free, secure, prepaid packaging for physical items. They will then frame your piece and ship it to you in days. It's easy, it's affordable, you know exactly what it will cost up front, and they offer every conceivable framing option. Everything I've framed has always looked even better than I expected. Plus, if you're not 100% happy with your piece, they'll make it right. See why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's framebridge.com. Before we move on, you said holarchy, and I just wanted to define that for people because I I love this concept of, because we're so, uh, we have such an aversion, understandably, to hierarchy, right? We equate it with dominance and oppression and in this model, a holarchy is a nested hierarchy where a word ladders up to a sentence, ladders up to a paragraph, ladders up to a story, ladders up to a book. That's a version of a holarchy, right? And if you destroy a lower version of a holarchy, so if you made you destroyed words, then the whole thing collapses. Collapses. Yeah. So we are effectively a nested holarchy. We have to take back the word hierarchy. It, it, it literally means sacred order, right? It means mm. essentially that, well, the first thing is, is reality sacred or is it, or, or is it not? So, so that if it's, if it's sacred and we see how the sacred unfolds itself, it unfolds itself in our interiors psychologically, but it also unfolds itself in terms of our physiology right? Mm -hmm. That cells are are held by cellular systems are held by organs and so on and so forth. That that's how she unfolds. Mm -hmm. We we unfold that way. And so we have to have a deep appreciation for the most fundamental levels. So for instance, in human psychology, that would be about really appreciating how the depth of our attachment system, right? The depth of our sense of how deeply safe and loved that we feel in reality and our ability to attune to others and attune Mm -hmm. to ourself 
is that what then is the process that we understand now allows for all higher healthy development and if that trust is is damaged psychologically then so many of the personality disorders and the forms of psychological suffering that we that we see are due to the fact that those lower level lower they're not really lower they're more fundamental levels when they get damaged then the whole stack gets fractured mm. and now if we look at the same thing in culture right what we've seeing is the fracturing of trust right the interpersonal so when trust which is to our culture what attachment in a the sense of trust with reality is to a, an individual which allows for all all health that the depth of trust that you internalize as a child allows for healthy unfolding and the degree that you that you you that we lack that is what affects complex developmental trauma and, and pain and suffering we look at our culture and we see what's happening and the fracturing of the trust of the commons and and everything that was built on top of that right on it was trust that allowed us to build like if you go to london the, the victorian sewer system underneath everything you had to trust enough that it was valuable enough to build something to last for a few hundred years mm. to come together with other people in trust we are losing that why right? it's fracturing and as it fractures and we lose trust the whole social fabric will will rip and everything built on top of that the whole stack will come down just like with an individual with a person right and in in the context of the individual i want to talk to you about sort of the heart and your work in psychology and also spirituality and the soul and psychedelics because what I have observed, too, in that space is that people will – you can sort of hit a higher state, and you can take this out to the social level or an individual level. You'll see people sort of meet, get to a transcendent state, let's say, by psychedelics, but they're still completely – it's like a rubber band tethered to their emotional or psychological trauma. And obviously, psychedelics can help people address that and heal that, but it doesn't – you can't bypass – that integration, you might hit a state, but you're still at a certain, not lower stage, but an, a wounded stage that needs to be reconciled, right? Before you can actually hit that higher state as a stage, as something that you can stay at. Is that an accurate yeah, reflection? Yeah, beautiful. We are in deep, there's a deep need for, for all of us to grow up, right? Mm -hmm. We can like, you know, like we are now being handed tools of the gods, right? And so we have to grow up and we have to mature. And so those levels of deep heroic altruism that in the past maybe we reserved for the kind of the great saints and sages of the past, this will have to be democratized. It'll have to become something that that is at that accessed to everybody. Yeah, And so to do that, we're talking about a trait development, which is, which means it has to become permanent, right? Mm -hmm. And so altered states is one thing, but an altered trait is a whole nother, it's a whole nother process. And in order to have altered 
an altered trait developmentally in order to, to really grow and then stay there, which is what you and I did. Like you and I, we grew when we were five years old and we grew to 10 and then we grew to like 12 and 18. We went through completely different worlds. <laughs> but the truth is, is most adults, they, they we, we plateau and most people haven't probably grown through any other worlds for a decade, two decades, three or four decades. And there's a reason for that. It's twofold. One is because of the, the injuries of the past that need to be healed. So we need to understand the depth of, of how, how we heal, which is one thing. And then we also need to have that integrated to understand then how we grow, grow and mature. So psychedelics are, are helpful in a number of ways. They're helpful in that they open up and reveal what needs to be healed. Mm -hmm. So they are they are a form of uncovering therapy. And that uncovering can be both uncovering what was left behind in the past, right? And so you have to go back and do that work. And it can also uncover where you're headed in terms of the future, like a glimpse Right? Mm -hmm. So, and of course, roll of the dice as to which one it's going to uncover. Now, that's often set and setting can help angle that, whether we want to look into where we've been or where we're going to. But the uncovering itself, that's just one thing. Then you need the deep work of healing, of integrating the past and of maturing and developing the kind of capacities that we can grow into if you and i if we continued on a on a lifelong learning path that didn't stop when we were 21 like so we had this idea that you're right you kind of and then you're an adult well the tradition you know the contemplative traditions understand that actually no that's not even the that's just the beginning right, right. so so if we have that understanding that actually there is a path of real lifelong learning that leads to heroic altruism increased cognitive complexity deep embodiment right deep levels of bliss and, and the possibilities of what it means to be a human being yeah that and if we understood that that was a developmental journey so there's no like we we grow naturally into it if provided with the resources and the education right to, mm -hmm. to do that and to go back to where we began, that education has basically been removed from our culture for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. And what do you think, I know that you talk about psychedelics as a type of technology, spiritual language or spirituality as a, a type of technology, I think. Who are the appropriate teachers? Like what has been lost and... You know, a lot of, I love, obviously, all the people at MAPS. I, Rick Doblin's a dear friend. Like, I'm a huge fan of that work. And in some ways, it feels like a panacea. And in other ways, it feels like it might be enough to open the door for people, but it's not enough to walk them through it inherently, right? Like, the integration and all of this deeper work is essential. Where do you feel like, to me, as someone who, as an adult, has gone deep into unaffiliated agnostic spirituality and reading widely from 
wisdom traditions, like to me, that feels like one of the largest gaps in my own education. But where do you feel like you would most love to see a cultural intervention? That's been the question that on my mind for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the, like, that it's, it's, it's a really, I, 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 well, first thing, it's a really challenging question because it involves, it involves so many issues like hierarchy, for instance, being one, one of them, like who gets to say who is an authority. Right. Yeah. And then the question is, well, how do you protect from the mistakes of the past with authority? Right. So you have to also answer the, the organizational question of how do you build a learning organization that allows for hierarchy and yet has integrated the understanding of the shadow and has the checks and balances so it's bottom up and top down right so there's that yeah so i mean essentially we have to re you know we have to reawaken the mystery schools right so mm -hmm. and the wisdom schools right the philosophia like the love of sophia the love of wisdom and that's difficult in a environment where everyone holds everyone like has their shingle out and say you know and, and there's no sense of how do these pieces fit together yep right there's no right and hierarchy isn't allowed and therefore who do you know to, wh where to go and study and who are you going to learn with and if you don't have hierarchy you don't have a path yeah so these are all really big problems know what i would love to see yeah. Maybe you can build this and maybe this is where mm -hmm. godlike technology helps. But I would like to see some sort of mapping a, a way to map yourself to identify sort of where you are within this larger nested holarchy and then to be mm -hmm. presented with teachers ancient and mm -hmm. new and to choose who's resonant and maybe it's time bound the amount that you so that again, to avoid sort of the guruification or this instinct that we have to sort of valorize, give away our sovereignty to other people and just continue to recreate that relationship. And that then you're sort of baton, you, you pass the baton continually as you figure out where you are emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, and that people are, you know, what I think is so interesting about Ken Will, you can find someone who is what does he talk? He talks about like Hitler effectively as being incredibly evolved and incredibly devolved, right? Like you, you were all maybe Hitler's a terrible example, but like you have someone who clearly is skilled, right? And creating a fascist government and has a dead heart or whatever it is, whatever. So, how do you, you know, people can be advanced and deeply not advanced in other parts. You can find someone who's incredibly spiritually alive and they're very ungrounded, right? They've lost a sense of any sort of truth, as you said, or objective reality, for example. Right. So so the way that we're going to do this, I mean, the way that we're beginning to do this in my organization at Karuna is the first thing we have to understand that the, the, the earliest lessons of development, like the earliest ones are actually important all the way up the stack. 
And so when we start, as part of our contemplative practice, the start of our meditative practice, rather than going up, but actually direct our attention back down to start shoring up and strengthening the most kind of human, most basic and fundamental and human levels of the psyche, when you do that and you go step by step from the bottom up, the psychological defenses that lead to things like projection mm-hmm. can be dealt with early, early on. So part of the educational process is also relational. Mm-hmm. So, so these things always traditionally had to be learned in an apprentice relationship. So it does involve you know, a level of commitment. Picking and choosing actually doesn't work very well because mm. you actually you need to be able to build an attachment relationship in order to receive an energetic download. Now, mm-hmm. the issue is, is how do we heal our relational system so that we can be in relationship? See, in the Mahayana tradition, the Buddhist tradition, the, the kind of exemplar teacher is called a spiritual friend. Mm. So I love that. Our question, our quest would be like for you and me, how do we become friends? Right. Like that's the, like it's at that level. And and what are, what are the, what are the, the psychological processes that allow for deep friendship with self and with other to evolve when that happens, you don't get the kind of idealization and projection process mm-hmm. right that so that has to be addressed as part of the you know the the educational journey because mm-hmm. then you can continue in relationship with with wise teachers and not get caught in the that guru game right which is yeah. which is which is problematic and then the other piece of that is also about the interpersonal meaning this journey now traditionally in the in the traditional mystery schools of the past in the in the in the great traditions and the mystical traditions the yogic traditions it was it was a very individual journey because frankly there were so few people who had the level of education to even get to the point to begin that journey like in tibet for instance whilst you know in a quarter of the population were in monasteries it was probably the elite the, the elite tukus, the kind of who were in the educational environment where they could actually get all the education in order to make to, to go on that journey. So now it isn't so much of an individual. It's like actually we have to go on this journey together. Mm-hmm. And so it, if the emphasis is placed on how do we learn how to grow together and how do we learn to deepen the interpersonal field, now, now, part of that journey, it's interesting, this, in order to really grow into the transpersonal, to beyond the self, you actually have to have a really deep level of individuation. You actually mm-hmm. have to become a very individuated being because it's that individuation that allows for you to metabolize all of the mummy-daddy stuff. Right. So first you have to metabolize the mummy daddy stuff. If you don't metabolize the mummy daddy stuff, then you project it onto the Pope. 
Right. So the first, <laughs> right. So, so yeah. So the first, the first step is like, how does, how does at least, how does John become a uniquely individuated being autonomous with a strong sense of trust, healing the trust system, healing the attunement, inner attunement system, strengthening the sense of self. Then when you've taken care of those and the person is really individuated and they're not going to surrender self before the surrender of self is the appropriate step. Yeah. Yes. Because, because everything is developmental. So if you, if you, if one, if we're dissolving the self structure into a larger, we, before we even have a self, that's problematic. But if yeah. you have a sense of self and then you, grow into a larger sense of we what happens is that sense of self stays but now it's just connected to a, a deeper level of motivation and a deeper level of interpersonal connection and you don't lose that sense of autonomy wondering what to give your mom or wife or daughter or friend or godmother for mother's day from someone who cares a lot about her bed and sleep may i recommend something from cozy earth in fact, becoming a mom and suffering through its required sleep deprivation is where my obsession with sleep started, so it's one of those gifts that might really bring things full circle. After all, women in particular are really impacted by sleep deprivation, which has massive implications for our health. Between the hypervigilance of motherhood and the hot flashes of perimenopause and menopause, we get a raw sleep deal. So let me tell you about giving women you love their best night's sleep ever. Let me tell you about Cozy Earth. Their sheets are made from viscose from bamboo, and they are indescribably soft. So soft, like a bed hug, like no other. Now, I'm not the only mega Cozy Earth fan. Every single year since 2018, Cozy Earth products have been named as one of Oprah's favorite things. Oprah picked their best-selling bamboo sheet set because they're temperature-regulating and incredibly soft, and she picked their joggers and their socks and their pajamas. Meanwhile, Cozy Earth doesn't just make sheets. They also make pillows, blankets, and more. Cozy Earth makes their products by sourcing responsibly. They use the best suppliers with an eye toward quality, responsible production, cutting-edge technology, and premium materials. They're also incredibly durable. They get better with every wear, and they have an enhanced weave that is guaranteed not to pill even after washing and drying. All Cozy Earth products can be returned or exchanged within 100 days and include an additional 10-year warranty against defects. This Mother's Day, treat mom to the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize her self-care and sleep health. She deserves it. Don't forget to use my promo code THREAD at checkout for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. After placing your order, select podcast in the survey and select my show in the drop-down menu that follows so they know that we sent you. I was just reminding myself of the etymology of friend going to sacred friend and the, the root is it's free. It's but shared with like to love and free and that's right um yeah. and that's such a like beautiful idea but i think entirely correct if you haven't maybe do done the ifs work of recollecting all those parts of yourself if you haven't <laughs> the mommy daddy stuff 
you're yeah. always slightly you're always slightly hijacked, right? You're sl- slightly not incomplete because I really believe we're all whole. It's just recovering those parts of ourselves, pulling them out of shadow, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine if imagine if we lived in a in a culture where we really deeply understood we had a department of friendship like really how do we build strong deep interpersonal relationships we wouldn't have the, the othering politically that we do all of that kind of partisan politics in expression of psychological projection and disowning of parts yeah whether conservatives disown their progressive parts or passive or progressives disown that their, their, their conservative parts so the fa- if the foundation of the the sacred journey, and I use sacred rather than spiritual because the term spiritual is very dualistic. It kind of assumes that there's something separate from spirit, which is really not yeah. how the path is. So if the sacred unfolds through deep healing, personal and then interpersonal, and then it moves into the universal, you don't you don't end up with the mistakes of the past. Yeah. When you think about sort of the the crisis of loneliness, the disconnection that's rampant, the lack of friendliness, the political binaries, do you feel like this is a necessary breaking point for us to collectively evolve? Or do you think we're about to spin out? Or is it, could it go in either direction, I guess? Well, I think that's what we're saying is it, <laughs> is once we once we add this first, this catalyst of these technologies, yeah, it's an amazing opportunity for it to go either way very very quickly. Yeah, uh, what do you think about AI? I mean, I know that's a big question, but well, we have a. I'm working with a, a friend of mine on on a deliberately developmental AI project, meaning part of the problem with mapping these kind of neural, this neural mapping of the, of kind of the brain and then using, and then using that map as an AI is that how you understand how the brain operates is based on your level of development. So what you're seeing is an AI that's an expression of a particular level of development, which has no understanding of holarchy, of hierarchy, and has no understanding of the sacred, and has no understanding of what leads into the direction of deep healing, and no understanding of actually what leads to greater trauma and then evil. If you don't understand, we don't understand the depths of what it means to be human, do not, you, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be allowed because all you're going to do is create a technology that reflects your own psychology. And I think that that's, I do believe that we can create, and it will happen. There's going to be wisdom AIs and, you know, the, the name of our project is Maitreya, which essentially is like the name of the Buddha of friendliness of the future, because there is a possibility to program an, a benevolent AI that has a deep understanding that we of how human beings develop of how reality develops but if you just if you just kind of take it as if there's no depth and you vacuum the internet with information then you just get an ai that has the psychology of surfaces 
Yeah. No, it's fascinating. You mentioned evil. We've touched on on shadow a little bit. I'm curious about sort of deep shadow, what's present in our world, what I think many people are tapping into as an energy source, as sort of a archetypal energy source without being aware of what that power is or how to not be distorted by it. And I worry about it too in the context of psychedelics, and maybe that's too woo-woo, but I worry often about what people are tapping into and what they're bringing through and whether they can keep themselves safe and therefore keep other people safe. And I worry a lot about sort of both spiritual grandiosity, but also distortions. Do you have any thoughts about that? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So I think that the first, you know, we, the first thing we have to appreciate is that as a civilization, Western civilization, that we have a traumatic history. Mm-hmm. So if a person doesn't understand that they're deeply traumatized and then they engage with all kinds of technologies, then all you will do is you will spread, you'll continue that that trauma. Mm-hmm. So we have to appreciate, we have to, you know, whilst we, we have to really value like Judeo-Christian culture, we have to understand that Christianity, specifically Rome, destroyed the indigenous mystery schools of the West, the Greek mystery schools, the, 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 the Elysian mysteries that run for, run for a thousand years, the Dionysian mysteries, right? The Egyptian, like the, the Druid, in fact, the very general that wiped out Jerusalem turned around and went on and wiped out the Druids. Like the, the, the Romans had a very, the, the Romans as forces of empire had a, a, a strategy to basically remove all of these educational lifelong learning academies and, and basically gain control. And if you don't, if we don't understand that we've lost our own indigenousness, but we had that, that it existed, mm-hmm. then you're not, then we're not going to be able to dig deep enough to understand the darkness that has befallen us, mm-hmm. right? The shadow and the, not just our personal shadow, but the collective shadow, like the shadow of empire, the shadow of Thanatos, right? Of the death drive, meaning that when you're motivated by avoidance of your own trauma. So when you avoid your own inner suffering, and that continues multi-generationally, that leads to an avoidance of the present moment. And it leads to the tendency to start to, or you project out into the world and into the world around you. If you've disowned your own suffering, you project it onto people out there and then you start trying to destroy them. Mm. Right? So if we don't appreciate the destruction of the psychedelic tradition of the West 2000 years ago, right? Of the feminine wisdoms of the West. So we have to like get a sense of we've lived within a machine that was first the church and then just became capitalism, but it's the same machine. Mm-hmm. And, and the early Gnostics, the, you know, the Gnostics and the, 
the sacred tradition understood that this kind of this machine wasn't just physical it was also mental it was spiritual and this is what the gnostics call the archons the archonic forces meaning that humanities of our avoidance of our own healing has built an archetypal force which is an archetypal expression of our own avoidance mm -hmm. and as it gets stronger and stronger it becomes more and more destructive yeah so if you don't appreciate that the like the shadow not just inside of us but essentially the shadow that we are living in and the like the, just like the shadow psychology has a super ego the outer psyche the world has a super ego that's like what's allowed into the public discourse and what isn't mm -hmm. right so those forces are eating the world right they, they are eating the world and they will continue to destroy the world because if you don't want to face your own suffering you're going to destroy everything that reminds you of it yeah right so so if we destroyed if we lost our relationship to sacred world and by that i mean to the sacred plants i mean our medical system has no there's no longer any nat the natural world is not medicine and we think that that's normal it's, <laughs> but we're so divorced from sacred world and by sacred world i mean when you take a psychedelic you get a, you begin to see say, sacred world the first level of the sacred beyond this realm not the non-dual and not these vast open states i just mean like seeing like seeing a different layer of nature mm -hmm. like you, you know the pixies and the gnomes and the salamanders of of the of the alchemists right the, the astral plane i mean essentially that nature has more going on than what our physical eyes can see Right. And part of what happens is when you suppress these educational systems, these educational systems, whether they were from, um, you know, deep kind of sensory deprivation or sacred sexuality or meditative practices, they were designed to slowly increase the DMT in the brain. So an initiate, when they were initiated into sacred world, slowly began to see that the world was sacred because they literally, their chemistry began to evolve. And when your chemistry evolves slowly, not just like a, an LSD trip or an ayahuasca journey, but as it slowly comes online and it becomes more and more of a trait and not just a state, you begin to see as a trait capacity that this world is alive in ways that we that our culture has lost, completely lost. So with the psychedelics, we have to really appreciate that it's opening up sacred world. But when it opens up sacred world, it's also going to open up everything that our culture has suppressed for 2000 years because it's like a part of our psyche that we didn't think even existed. Mm -hmm. So we might be super smart at one level, but at another level, we are like babes that we've shut a door on a part of our psyche and a part of the world and a whole part of reality. And so we have to, you know, we have to, in my mind, we want to need to approach that door informed by how our ancestors in the mystery schools understood it. 
right? So, so yeah, we need some humility. We need some appreciation so we don't get inflated, which, mm -hmm. which is, which is, which is easy to happen. So this, the psychedelic revolution is going to open, reopen a whole realm that we shut 2000 years ago. But the problem is we might not necessarily have regained the wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 so you're opening up Pandora's box, a whole realm <laughs> without the the wisdom knowledge. And, and then maybe going to other traditions, like indigenous traditions, and 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 but not actually going to our own traditions. Yeah. Like not actually going right, which which is a mistake. Like we actually have and had traditions. They just had to go underground. They had to go, you know, whether it's the alchemists or the Rosicrucians or, or the Carthars, right? Or the, you know, the Freemasons or all of these, you know, all of that Western esoteric tradition that all has to be updated, integrated into our understanding of Western psychology, integrated into the kind of Eastern contemplative understanding so that we have the 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 right GPS as to how to enter into that world. Yeah. Um, no, that makes so much sense, including the dislocation that we feel from our culture and the fact that it feels so many, it can feel so cultureless here. And then obviously the ongoing trauma, I mean, of being sort of tor torn away from that and torn apart and and how odd it feels to be sort of a Western person and to be unmoored and to think about the loss of, you know, I would argue that the the desecration of the divine feminine is why also why we're careening towards devastation, that until men particular reintegrate that essential energy for themselves, we're screwed. Yeah. And in her in her higher aspect, that that is Sophia, right? So yeah, within the wisdom within the, within the mystery traditions, the highest aspect of wisdom is it's it's understood to be feminine. Yes, like yeah. so, so the loss of the feminine wasn't just the loss of like dancing and feeling our feelings and, and being embodied. We're talking about the loss of of this really deep archetypal understanding of the nature of reality and a, and a kind of intelligence right that isn't just feelings and you know like feminine intelligence which is about knowing and directly experiencing the deep interconnection of all of reality like that's Sophia I'm exceedingly careful about what I buy not only because I live in a 1,500-square-foot house with children who sure have an awful lot of stuff, but also because I try to be conscious about everything I use. In short, I want to use everything I buy. In addition, thanks to a decade in the wellness industry, I am very keyed into product claims and product content. This is why I like Ritual's Essential for Women 18-plus multivitamin, which is clinically backed with high-quality, traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. I also like their Symbiotic Plus 2, which is a probiotic that's simple and effective. Ritual makes the most elegant multivitamin around. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus has everything you need, specifically nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Their unique beetle oil is so slick it's actually patented, and their capsule has a delayed-release design, which is 
brilliant and essential to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. And Ritual studies their vitamins, which is not the standard in the industry. Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy. The results, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. As most of us are getting far less sun right now, vitamin D supplementation is essential. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is one of the few women's multis that's USP verified, meaning what's on the label is what's in the formula. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark. It's also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. Did I also mention that Ritual is a certified B Corp and female-founded? Nothing makes me happier than these two facts. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash thread. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash thread for 25% off. One more big question, which might be impossible to answer, but what's your, what is your sense of, I don't even think universe is the right word, but what do you think, what are we moving towards? What are we part of? Like, is it a Gurdjieffian climbing towards world 12? Like, how do you locate us in a bigger Mm. context? Well, the, I mean, this is where the, the, the cosmology the relationship between psychology and cosmology, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if, so of course, if we haven't, if we have repressed some basic dimensions of the sacred, then we won't integrate within ourselves, then we won't recognize the dimensions of the sacred of the planet, right? Mm-hmm. So if our mother is more than just a matter, Mm-hmm. But actually, she but, but she is Ma. She is like the mother consciousness. So within within the Gnostic traditions, and when we integrate those into a, into a modern understanding, I mean, essentially, our planet Gaia Sophia is a is an evolving organism that depends upon humanity as its catalyst for its own evolution Mm. so first we we would talk about like the the planetary logos like our planetary intelligence which is then of course part of a solar logos and and so on and so forth right so these are nested intelligences so if we just start with our planet from the perspective of the perennial tradition so not just like the way i mean like the wisdom traditions of of the whole planet, when you look at those and you come up and you look at what the deep structure is and what are we told about the deep structure of our planet, our planet is a is an organism that archetypally we are constructed in a very similar way. So just as we have a physical body and just as we have a, a desire, imaginal astral body and we have a mind and and so on and so forth, and we have these higher dimensions. These higher dimensions of our consciousness that the that the mystical traditions 
lead us into and that actually are accessible to everybody. These aren't just interior states separated. And that's the problem with kind of Western psychology and neuroscience. Within the traditions, it's understood that you are also actually perceiving different dimensions of our planet. Mm-hmm. So she has tissues. So it, it, in Buddhism, for instance, they talk about the, the Dhammakaya, the truth body, or the Dhammadhatu and the, the Kamadhatu. But in medicine, this term Dhatu means tissue. So these levels of realizations, not only are they levels of psychological kind of unfolding and beginning to perceive reality in in different ways, including new content, right? Like spirit like realms but actually what you're beginning to perceive are the difference the subtler tissues of a centralized organism mm-hmm. now those tissues just like we have physical tissues imagine that there are subtler tissues fo- tissues made of photons tissues made of of substances that we just do not have yet the technology even to measure these tissues to measure this substance but if we take that as a thought of ex- a thought experiment, that what the traditions say is that around our planet are these layers, and these layers, these tissues, these are the tissues that are, you know, the beings are circulating through those tissues as they carnate and reincarnate, and that there are complexes or or organs within those tissues, and we call those heavens, that that, that collectives form within the tissues of our planet. And, and some of those tissues, unfortunately, become kind of like cancerous. They become stagnant because our planet, because humanity is not fully awakened and we, we're fearful of things like death. Right? And, we, mm-hmm. and we're, not, we're not kind of, we're not with the program. We're not participating fully in that, in that cycle. So if you understand where she is, is she, she is kind of half, if I would say like Gaia as a, as a being, she's like a, a woman who really, she still has some trauma from childhood. There's a bunch of trauma from childhood. She's reading some books on self-help. She's in, she meditates. She still has a smoking problem, but she knows it's bad for her. And she's addicted to Coke and coffee, but she wants to, like she met it. So our planet right now, she needs to go into therapy. <laughs> we need to go into therapy, <laughs> right? And we need to clean up the past. And we need to wake up and mature and begin to kind of wake up to we, we are part of a planetary system that has realm, I mean, that has subtler realms, but it's all a single system. And as you begin to wake up to that, of course, what happens is your chemistry begins to change. The DMT begins to get secreted and surely, but surely you have a revelation and, and it actually, and you begin to, those realms begin to re- reweave themselves right so it's not about going up it's about integration like can we integrate the depth of matter into the into the height of spirit and as human beings our function is to make that happen and you know and what does that look like well it looks like a garden right because there's no like if you want to what does heaven look like if it doesn't look like a garden so it's that process of returning back and seeing our planet as a medicine planet and a, and, and a place of great beauty. 
and a place where the relative and the absolute can meet, spirit and matter can meet. That's the the view of the traditions. It's not the view of like, we need to get out of here. Right. Right. Enlightened. That's that's not, you know, the perennial, that was a way of controlling the population. That was never the perennial, that was never the wisdom schools. The wisdom schools was actually this, this is it. This is this is where the miracle is. Yes. And that we and the we and the weaving together of these different realms. So that's you know, that's the vision. And and then that vision, then you begin to because one of the things we understand about human development is is the the longer the vision that somebody has psychologically like most people in our culture are concerned about the quarter maybe that what's going to happen this year but you can't address problems right so maturity as you consider the next generation which we're even stretching to do that right but as you begin to stretch to encompass seven generations in your awareness. And as we begin to make decisions based on that, and what the traditions would say, you're doing that in your own self-interested, because frankly, as part of the circulatory recycling system, you will be that seventh generation. Right. And even if even if that isn't true, and what I'm saying is a fancy story, the thing is, is the brain responds to story. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we need a story. We need a new story that's going to encourage us enough to make some radical changes in what it means to be a human being. So, so a lot of this is, at least this is, this is the world story. Like this is the, this is the story of, of our traditions, of our ancestors, of our, of our indigenous ancestors in the West. This is our story. And we just have to reawaken to it, shake off a little bit of empire and and look at the amazing opportunity that presents itself to us what a mind i will definitely ask john to come back so we can go deeper into his work and explore some of the concepts that i know are heady particularly if you've never read ken wilbur or Um, explored some of these more esoteric traditions. It's interesting, he was talking about the cult of Dionysus and Elysium. There's a great book, The Immortality Key by Brian Marusco, which is a good read. I've interviewed him in my past life about the role of psychedelics in our, you know, millennia ago and what happened to those rites and rituals. And I've written a bit about Ken Wilbur and holarchies and transcend and include and ascending and descending and darkness on in my newsletter, which if you're not getting it, um, please consider signing up. It's elisleunan.substack.com. And I'm curious for feedback on this and what you guys want to hear from John, because I have a feeling we'll have many conversations. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. You can find show notes and full transcripts of the episodes at theelisepodcast.com. While there, please sign up for my Substack newsletter. I send a short note every Wednesday about topics that are aligned with this show and a deeper dive on Sundays. Or follow me on Instagram at Elise Lunan. Meanwhile, if you haven't already, 
please pre-order my book coming May 23rd. It's called On Our Best Behavior, The Seven Deadly Sins and the Price Women Pay to Be Good, and it's an exploration of the ways we've been programmed to police ourselves and each other. I'd also like to give a huge thank you to my sponsors who make this show possible. Please support them the way they support this podcast. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio. If you enjoyed this episode, please listen, rate, review, and follow Pulling the Thread, available for now, for free, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to give a shout-out to Phil Svitek, Lauren LaGrasso, Mary-Kate McDonough, Ali Brockman, and the entire Cadence 13 team for producing these episodes, and to Valero Doval for my key art. Take care of yourselves. I'll see you next week.